second week of um, of a series we've called Relationship Goals based on a, on a hashtag. And if you're new to new to maybe social media, a hashtag is uh, the the thing that you can click on inside of a social media post that will that as other posters have tagged their image or whatever. And and so so many people when they see a relationship online or they see you know somebody's picture or they or they perceive to be somebody's relationship. They'll talk about the goals that they want to have, and they see these posts, and they think, man, I really want that. Or not even on social media. You just kind of see somebody in church or see somebody walking, you know, through the store, and you think, oh, man, that's what I want. You know, like that's the goal that we have in our relationship. But the truth is you don't really know what that is. You know what I mean? You know what they want you to know. You know what they want you to see. But you don't really know what it is or how, how they're... And, and when you say, when you ask somebody, well, define what that is. Like, what's that that you want? Well, I don't know what I want. Like, I don't know. I just want that. And, and I found sometimes, is this true for you? Everybody over the age of 40, have you found that some people want what you have, but they don't want to walk the walk that it took you to get what you have? So sometimes people say to me, Pastor, we really would love to have... I, I've had church planters say, man, what... what you know, look what God's done. And really, God gets all the glory for everything that's happened at City Hills. Our church is just three years old. Hundreds and hundreds of families here. Hundreds. We baptize more people than uh, churches, you know, three times, four times, ten times our uh, age. And more believers are coming to faith. And it's just an amazing uh, thing that God's done here. And they say, what do you, you know, what, what's going on? Tell me the secret sauce. And the truth is, in this and in your relationship and in most things, there is no secret sauce. Come on, everybody. It's spelled W-O-R-K. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, like uh, I want that house. You ever, you ever ride around, Brandy and I do this all the time. We ride around neighborhoods and we dream about living in your houses. You know what I'm saying? And it's a little creepy and it's Texas, and so I'm sure that there are people with guns that see us. This is a true story. <laughs> I saw somebody. Uh, I was walking uh, in, our, in our neighborhood uh, and just looking around, and we were, I was walking slow with a dog. And there, and there was a shadow in the door, and I could, I could see him holding his pistol at the door. And I was like, "Bro, back up, man! I'm just walking my dog." What? This is Texas, though. You know what I mean? You just got to be super careful about that stuff. But uh, we dream about what everybody else has. But the truth is, you don't know what goes on behind those doors. You only know what they want you to know. And 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 I don't want you to set your goals as low as an Instagram post. Everybody, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I want you to believe for something better than that. Can I get a good amen there? I want you to believe for better in your relationships, better in your marriages, better in, in every relationship of your life. And so this series is defining some real goals that I want you to have in your marriage. And it's for everybody. If you're single, if you're dating, if you're single again, if you're ugly but trying, come on somebody. If you're, just, if you, if you're hoping for better, if you've been married a long time but you're looking for some some rejuvenation and so you know this isn't what we've been doing isn't working or maybe you're been single for a long time and just believing God for what's next everybody and, and everybody has goals in every other area of your life I hope that you do I hope that you got some health goals I hope that I, matter of fact I started this year you know believing and and just you know the goal of losing 20 pounds and and it's February and and I've fasted 21 days and I'm only I'm only 30 pounds away, everybody. So I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting, I'm just believing my next season's coming. So I hope you have goals. I hope you have spiritual goals. I hope you have some financial goals, what you want to do and how much you want to save. And 
I hope you have a budget. Let me, everybody look directly in my eyes. A budget for everybody that doesn't know, because there's always one spouse that doesn't know. It's actually where you plan to spend things. Doesn't that sound crazy? Like before you spend it. I saw something the other day on Facebook, no less, that said you could spend $10,000 a year frivolously by spending $27 a day in just crazy expenses. And you're thinking in your mind right now about 27 bucks you spent yesterday on just stuff you didn't need. And if you add that up, it's, it's, it's $10,000 in a year. you got to have some goals and a career goal. And you got to have some relationship goals. you got to have a vision for what you want your relationship to be. Because wherever it is, here's the way I like to say it. I've taught it to you this way, that your life moves in the direction of your most consistent thoughts. That's already good enough to write down if I were you. Your life moves in the direction of your most consistent thought. And so if, the, if, the, if you have no goals, if you're kind of a, a blank slate on relationships, and I don't know what it's going to be, and I don't know how it's going to look, and I just, you know, what, or, or, the, or the really churchy people, the spiritual people say things like this, uh, whatever God wants, right? You ever heard that? Well, you don't have to wonder what God wants. God wants your marriage to work out, and God wants it to be healthy, and God wants it to be God-honoring, and God gave us a pattern for what He wants in your relationships. And you can have relationship goals that are real and that work, and you don't have to have what normal people have. Listen to me. Normal isn't working anymore, everybody. If six out of ten marriages end in divorce, I don't want what everybody else has. I want something abnormal. I want something that works. I want something that honors God with everything that I've got. I don't want normal is broken. Normal is divorce. Normal is shallow. Normal is afraid. Normal is passive aggressive. Normal is most people are just aggressive these days. You just miss the passive part of it and you just... Like, I, that's normal. I don't want that. I want healthy and growing in my life. Can I get a better amen? amen? Write this down. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. If you don't believe me, I'm just, look up here. Healthy things continue to grow. You know what I'm saying? It just continues to grow. It just grow. If, if your relationship isn't growing, if your relationship with God isn't growing, it isn't healthy. If it's stale and stagnant, stays right where it is. If it's if it's been at the same spot for, you know, ten years or five years or ten months, if it's not growing, it's not healthy. If your relationship with your spouse, your partner, if it isn't growing, then it's not healthy. Relationships are meant to grow, and and you can have meaningful, godly goals for your relationship to try to attain. Last week, if you weren't here and haven't caught up on the podcast. And we said the first goal that you need to have is to be Christ-centered. Would you say that out loud? Say we want to be Christ-centered. Come on, not Christian relationships, but Christ-centered relationship where everything in our life revolves around our relationship with God, that God is our one and our spouse is our two. And today, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you right up front. Uh, the, the second goal that I think every relation, and this is kind of my wheelhouse. If you've been around here very long or you're here for the first time, I preach this way a whole lot because this is what I feel like is a life message God has given to me is relationships don't just need to be Christ-centered, but God, here's some goals for you to have is to be mission-minded, to be mission-driven, to be driven by the mission that God has for your relationship. That God has a plan for your relationship. That God has a plan for you to do together. 
that God has a mission for you to accomplish together. That we say it this way around our church, that, that you, if you'll discover the purpose that God has for you, it's the best part of living for God. That you have a purpose in your life. And if you have a purpose individually, you have a purpose together. Can I get a better amen? amen. I love in premarital counseling. I won't marry anybody that hasn't gone through premarital counseling. I just think it's wise and most people need postmarital counseling. Come on, everybody. And, but for sure, premaritals where you take single people and you say, hey, you all know what you're about to get into. And I never try to talk people out of it. But I do try to just kind of scratch away at some stuff and uncover some stuff that maybe is hidden underneath the surface. So I would rather you fight about it prior to marriage when you can go to separate houses than when you're married and y'all got to go back in the car together. Come on, somebody. So premarital counseling, one of the things I always love to ask is, why do you want to get married? Why do you want to get married? And it's the funniest questions. It's like the answers that I get back are hilarious. It Usually there's a spokesman. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you are the spokesman in your relationship? Like, you know you're the one. Yeah, if you don't know you're the one, you're the one. <laughs> like, you're the one that, that, all, that speaks up for the other spouse. And so they're in premarital, you know, they're sitting there on the couch. I have a couch in my office. And, and, uh, and they, in premarital counseling, they sit close together. In postmarital counseling, they sit on either sides of the couch. And so uh, when they're, they're sitting all close together, and one looks at the spokesman, and the, I, know, I know which one the spokesman is because they've been talking the whole time, and... And so, and so eventually the spokesman would just say something like, mm, um, I mean, um, we just want to be happy, you know. That's why we want to get married because she makes me happy and, and, or he makes me happy and we just want to be married to be happy. And, and I get, it's, it's really funny to me because that's really all we can think of in the moment of why do you really want to get married here? Like what's really going on? Tell me the thing that you want to get married for. I want to get married for happiness. And I got, let, me, let me be honest with you. I got to tell you right up front, write this down. The foundation of a godly marriage isn't happiness. It's unity. The foundation, this, this is for everybody, by the way. This, this message is going to be for this entire church, whether you're married or not, because you could, under, you could substitute the word marriage for, relate, for any relationship at all. The foundation of a godly church family isn't happiness. It's not getting my way. It's unity. Can I get a better amen? The foundation for any godly marriage isn't happiness. And you know why? You know why it has to be unity and not happiness? Because happiness is a byproduct of unity and happiness comes and goes. It's just it, it, happiness in your life. There'll be seasons of happiness and there'll be seasons of sadness and there'll be, there'll be highs. How many of you have been married for over a year? Let me see, one year, over one year. Has there been some happy days? Come on, raise your hand. You better raise your hand, men. Have there been some very hard days? Would you be honest? Some very hard days. It comes and goes. You, if it comes and goes, how can you build that as a foundation for why I want to get married to you? Of something that could... Well, if it's going to leave me, then if I only build it on, well, she makes me happy, he makes me happy. When they stop making you happy, the foundation's gone from underneath you. They pull the rug out, and now we're on shaky ground. Are you still with me? you got to build it on unity. It's... It's built on what we can do together. Why do you want to get married? We want to do something for God together. You can't build on happiness. And the first marriage in the Bible proves this point. Let me teach it to you. Genesis, the first 
the first chapter talks about the first couple together. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in His own image. The image of God, He created male and female. He created them both. Verse 28, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful. Underline that in your Bible. And increase in number. Some of y'all got four or five kids. Y'all took this literally. You literally read this and said, this is what he meant for me to do. (laughs) Fill the earth. I've met some people who believe that's their job. And subdue it. Look at this. Keep this on the screen. God did not say that first married couple. Scott, he did not say to them, be happy. Just go do your thing, girl. Whatever y'all want, just... God did not say, Adam and Eve, go find your own truth. By the way, that doesn't exist. There's only truth and then your opinion about truth. Amen, everybody. (laughs) There is no such thing as your own truth. God didn't say, go find your own way. Just go do whatever makes you happy. Just go go do the thing that you want to do. No, God said, hey, just so you know, I gave you somebody and I get the first thing God said to them, your man and wife, now go do something. Now here's a mission for you. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Here's the mission if you choose to accept it. Come on. you know what I'm here's, your, here's your mission if you choose to accept. Multiply. Expand. Conquer the earth. Subdue it. Create some things. There's a mission for you to do. The first thing God spoke to the first couple is you have a mission. And your mission is not your happiness. It's something I want you to do that I have planned for your marriage. Say amen to that. Say a better amen. I've got a mission for you. The last thing Jesus says as He ascends to heaven on the Mount of Transfiguration, He says, here's your mission. It's called the Great Co-Mission. It's the Great Commission. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always even until the ends of the earth. It began with a mission And it ended with a mission. And if you don't have a mission, you will not have the thing you think you want, which is happiness. You have to be mission. The most unhappy couples I know have no vision or mission for their relationship. They don't don't have mission together. And if you don't have a mission together, you'll fall apart. You get married not because of happiness. You don't get married because of butterflies. You don't get married because of of, of chemistry. You get married because we can do more for God together than we can apart. You get married because we have a mission together. Because God put us together. And there's something He can do through us that He could not do with us by ourselves. Can I get a better amen? Adam, I love this. When God gave them the mission, now I don't mean to be crude. I know there are young ears here. I will warn you, sometimes in a series like this, it's around PG-13. We don't get any worse than that. But just FYI, if you want to make other decisions for your children. But I'll try to be not, not crude and just tell you, look at the mission. Be fruitful. Fruitful and increase in number. Look at me. You can't do that by yourself. 
Shake your head if you're with me. The mission God gave you, you can't do by yourself. He, put, he, he gave them a mission they could only do together. God, that's good. You could only work this out together. You can only fulfill what I've really called you to do together. You have a, it's a team. You're partners. You're a duo. You're a squad. You've got a mission to accomplish, and you can't accomplish it by yourself. That's why, Genesis 2, God follows up His whole marriage discourse with this. This explains why a man moves out of his mama and dad's basement, that's in the message translation, and is joined to his wife, and the two are, say this out loud, say it again, say it again, you're united into one because you can't do it alone. You can't build a relationship on happiness. You can't build it on chemistry. You can't, but you have to build it on mission, on what we can do together, on unity, that we're in this together. We are united, and you're united because you have a mission that you can only do together. Now, imagine your relationship. Come on, married folks. Imagine your relationship if you started viewing, I cannot do everything God planned for me to do without you. I cannot do everything God planned for me to do without you. And, and then like the devil, and, and one of my jobs as your pastor is to sort of warn you about the schemes of the enemy. Paul would say, we, we're not ignorant to it. We know what the devil does. Write this down. Every time God wants to unite, what God seeks to unite, the enemy, the devil, always schemes to divide it. Everything, this is true, again, I'm preaching to the whole church. This isn't just about marriage. This is true in church life. It's true in your job. It's true with your children. Everything God wants to bring together, the enemy tries to divide. He just That is his number one goal is division. I'll prove it to you. The first thing the devil did, the first thing the devil did was divide. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. They are happy. They are fulfilled. They play volleyball all day. They name animals. You know that? that they Literally, all day long, they just laid around. And Adam said, you look like a giraffe. And just named animals all day long. They're content. They're blessed. Come on, everybody, look at me. They are naked in paradise. Come on, somebody. All right? It's, it's like going to the Bahamas. You know what I'm saying? It's just... It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's blessing on blessing. Are you with me? They are naked and unafraid. <laughs> uh, anyways. The devil shows up. You know this story. The serpent shows up. The devil shows up. Their enemy shows up. And what's, what, what's what he does now? Watch this. He has one job to disrupt their relationship with God. And to distract them from their mission. And to destroy the unity that Adam and Eve have together. Because if I can get them apart. God, I'm preaching to this whole church. God gave me this message two weeks ago for this church today. Because if I can get you apart, I can destroy the mission you have together. And the serpent, look what the serpent does. He takes, this is read it, read it in your Bible for yourself. He takes Eve alone. Away 
from Adam. The first thing the devil does is divide what God has put together. It separates. It's separation from the rest of the mission. Now, I can't accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish because we're not together anymore. And the serpent takes Eve to the side alone and he starts questioning God. Did God really say that you can't eat of, of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did God really say that? Did he really say, and he's questioning what God told them. Now listen, you don't question what God told you when you're together with Adam. Because you got a partner who'll say, no, 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 baby. Remember what God said? Remember how God said he was going to work it out? Remember how God said he had us? Remember how God was on our side? But the enemy separated Eve by herself, and now she can question, I don't, maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't say. Maybe I didn't hear it right. And she eats the fruit. And then she goes back to Adam and gives it to Adam. And sin enters the world. And now they're not naked and unafraid. They're naked and ashamed. How did naked and ashamed happen? Look at me. Division. What God had put together, the enemy had tried to divide. And God shows up on the scene. Read it in your Bible. God shows up and He says to them, What happened? Who told you you were naked? In other words, what happened to the mission I gave you? Remember when I left you, I gave you just a very specific mission to do. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Why are you now hiding and not working and not doing what I told you to do? Why are you covered like this? What happened to the mission? And Adam blames God. Well, and, and Eve, man, look at me. We got to stop doing this. Adam blames God and Eve. He actually says this. Read this in your Bible. Well, the woman that you gave me, the woman, it's her fault and it's kind of your fault because I didn't even see her and she swiped left and now look, I'm here with her instead of her and I don't know what to do and you gave me this woman. Ask somebody under 20, they know. God, it's your fault and it's her fault and Eve plays the same game. Eve points to the devil and says, the devil made me do it. God, it's your fault, Adam said. It's Eve's fault. Eve said it's the devil's fault. And the devil, the serpent, don't have a leg to stand on. It's my dad joke for the day. He got nowhere to go. You get it? Serpent, like, anyway. No, I'll tell you what happened. We stopped being together. Adam and Eve, we were together in this thing. Until one of us got separated. I'm going to make a statement that I don't want you to misinterpret. And if you misinterpret it, ask me. Don't ask anybody else. Ask me. It's why I encourage couples not to separate. Because you can't work on the mission together forward, healing and restoration, if you're apart. You've got to do it together. Well, we're just going to work on ourselves. That's not how the Bible works. I'm just going to get my thing right. That's not how this works. God put you together. You became one. And now you've got to work on it together. Can I get a better amen? In a relationship, you need a united mission. Let me talk to all the single people. If you haven't talked about the future mission God has for you, He ain't the one for you. She ain't the one for you. 
if all you talk about is the wedding day, that's going to be over with in 30 minutes, everybody. Most weddings I do now are about 12 minutes. They're like, preacher, don't say anything weird. Just do it really quick. We got no songs. We got The party is nine and a half hours long, but the wedding is 12 minutes long. But the marriage is 40 years. And you'll work on that 12 minutes and not the 40 years. And you'll talk about that 12 minutes and not the 40 years. Single folks, you need a mission together. You got to be, where are we going? What's our mission? How can we glorify God together? Amos says it like this, Amos 3 and 3. says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Come here. Uh, Come here. Uh, Let me get Brandy, not Brody, because this will be weird. Come on. We're talking relationships. Come on, Brandy. I was going to pick Brody, but anyways, y'all know. You start walking this way. That's an old country song. Start, start walking that way. I'll start. He said, can two, can, two, can two people walk together? How are we going to walk together into our future if we hadn't agreed on what? I'm going this way, honey. This is the way. We're supposed to go. That We're supposed to. We're, we're tithing. We're not tithing. We don't have the money to tithe. No, we're tithing. God told me to tithe. We're tithing. No, we're not tithing. I, I do the bills. We're not. Okay. We're serving. I, I'm going to serve. I'm, I'm showing up to church at 645 on Sunday morning for load in. I'm staying afterwards for load out. I'm, we're joining a small group. I'm not joining a small group. I hate people. I ain't trying to get around no people. I don't even like to be around people. I'd get people all day long. I don't want to. We're, we're, we're going we're to get on the growth track. We're going to get on the dream team. Come on, we're going to serve twice a month. We're going to give our best to God. No, we're not going to do that. It, well, we'll just tithe on my income and not your income. Well, we'll I, I'll serve. You stay at home and bring the kids. Watch what, 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 what happens. At some point, you, and, and then you'll meet with a counselor and say, we've just drifted apart. And you're right. Because two people can't walk together without agreeing on the same direction. We're going we're, we're to do this together. We're, we're, we're going to get together. We're, we're, what God has put together. I'll just do my thing, you do your thing. No, you can't do that. I'll serve and you won't. No, we can't do that. Uh, this is my thing, that's your thing. No, that's not true. What God unites, He plans a joint mission together and the enemy tries to divide it where there is no vision the marriage perishes the people perish you can't you can't walk together you know what division is it's two visions it's die vision it is literally two different visions. Well, I thought we were going to do this. Well, I thought we were going to be that. Well, I thought it was going to go this way. Well, I thought it was going to go this way. Two people can't walk together if they don't agree on the direction. you got to get a mission together. Write this down. One of the greatest tragedies in marriage is when two people are together but not united. One of the greatest tragedies in marriage is when two people are Together, but not united. When one of them has a heart for this and the other one doesn't. You say, well, pastor, what do I do? Because I'm in that marriage. You need to ask God for unity. Don't build your marriage on this makes me happy. Well, that makes me happy. Let's build our marriage on what could God do through us together. The greatest tragedies of couples that I see. Getting married. Couples who are married. They're, they're together, but they're not united. One of them wants to go all in with God, and the other one's like, I don't know. One of them wants to serve with, with their gifts and their talents and really give back to God, and the other one's like, I don't know. 
and, and, and it could change in seasons. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's them. And I'm not talking about you know, seasons of your life that come and go. And when we had small children, you know, there's some things I could do that Brandy couldn't. She had you know, small babies at home. And, and, and there's just, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm not making you feel guilty for any of that. I'm just talking about the mission of, the trajectory of your relationship has to be mission driven. It has to be we're together in this mission. God gave, what, what, let me tell you about one of my favorite couples in the Bible, and I'm almost done. One of my favorite couples in the Bible is not Adam and Eve. Believe it or not. One of my favorite couples in the Bible isn't Jacob and Rachel. If you've been around the Bible long, that seems like it could be a favorite couple. That's not, well, not Ruth or, and, and Boaz. It's a great one, because mainly because of the name Boaz. Like, that's just, I think that's really thug. And, and it's not Mary and Joseph. That seems like a good marriage. It seems like, I mean, just imagine what they went through. And that's not one of my, my favorite is not Solomon and his 1,000 women. Wrap your mind around asking 700 wives where we're going to dinner. And 300 concubines fighting the 700 wives. My brother was a, he was wise, but he was a glutton for punishment. You know what I'm saying? Not my favorite couple. My favorite couple in the Bible you may have never, you may have never read about. They're only mentioned six times in the Bible, but... Every time one of them is mentioned, the other one is. Their names are never apart. Never. So you'll see a story of Mary, and you'll see the story of Joseph. You'll see the story of Ruth and the story of Boaz. You'll see the story of Jacob and the story of Rachel. But this couple is never mentioned not together. They're always... And and so I wanted to figure out... I want to figure out what makes you strong. And I think it's because they had a united mission. Read this with me. In, In Romans 16, Paul is writing to the church at Rome... And he says, give my greetings to this couple who's always together. Always. Priscilla and Aquila. I think they got together because their names rhymed. <laughs> give my, oh, you'll never, I'm telling you, read the whole New Testament. You'll never find Priscilla by herself. You'll never find Aquila by himself. It's always Aquila and Priscilla. Paul says, give my greetings to them because they are my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. They're on the team. They give their gifts and talents. And they once, Paul said, even risked their lives for me. They once, they, there was a situation where they, they actually put their lives up for mine, risked their lives for me. And I'm thankful to them, next verse, I'm thankful to them and to all, and so are all the Gentile churches. In other words, every church Paul planted is thankful not just to the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who's a saint, it's St. Paul, and everybody knows and everybody talks about, not just to him. Every Gentile church is thankful. You and I, City Hills, 2,000 years later, we, we need to be grateful for the spreading of the gospel to a couple Priscilla and Aquila. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. They supported Paul's ministry. They were my co-workers. They risked their lives. And they led a small group in their home, everybody. I don't know how you get better than this. And I know you think, well, Pastor, you just pick stuff that always points to... I know. 
I do. I'm going to keep doing that. I, I, I'm just going to keep picking because it's all through the Bible because it's not my plan. No, it's, it's, it's just God's plan for your life. This is God's plan for your life. This is God's plan for your ministry. This is God's plan for you. This is God's plan for your marriage. And this couple is always together. And, and he didn't say, greet Aquila and Priscilla because I loved game nights. He didn't say, greet them because they cook good when I go to their house. He said, greet them because they're on a mission together. Because they're my co-workers. And they help me plant churches. And they risk their lives for me. And they lead a small group in their house. And they're just on a mission with their lives. And Paul said, of all the churches in Rome and all the Christians in Rome, there's this couple who is mission driven. Tell them I said hello. Because I wouldn't be where I was without this couple, this married couple. If you're not married today, how does it apply to you? What do I do? How do, how do I know? I told you last week, I'll tell you again. If you want a God-glorifying, mission-driven marriage today, in the future, then live a God-glorifying, mission-driven life today. That you, just, you cannot build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. You're going to have to, you got to be the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. If you want a man of God, be a woman of God. If you want a woman of God, you can't live like a yard dog. He, that girl isn't looking for a guy like you. All right, I'll go back to my notes. You gotta build today what you want tomorrow. Be on mission today. Serve today. Pray today. Have vision for your life today. Fast today. Get involved today. Tithe today. It won't be a question when you get married what direction we're in. Because these are my directions. Where are you at? This is what my mission is. Can you, uh, uh, is, is it your mission? Did God put us together for this? Give them, what, what's your mission? What's your mission? I gotta ask you, what's your mission together, everybody? If you're a parent today, what's your mission? It's to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. You're deceiving yourself. And I'm just going to say it out loud. Y'all can write an email. All of our complaint emails go to aubrey at cityhillstx.com. God, help me not to. Help them on the ACT. Help them play sports. Help them be popular. But you're not going to raise godly kids because they're good football players or they scored high on the ACT or everybody likes them. You're going to raise godly kids because you give them a mission with their lives. That their lives count. Today in Huddle, Kristen, one of our dream teamers saw, she was, I'm sure she's in service today. She saw my little boy, I have a five-year-old little boy, run across dream team Huddle. You know, my first reaction is you gotta know, stand still and you can't do that and you can't. But I'm just gonna be frank with you. And I and I've been around a lot of preachers' kids, so I mean I know how it could be. I'm I'm not telling you my kids are perfect. I'm just telling you we do this together. This is his church. Much as it is mine, as much as it is yours. This is their mission. We bring our kids along for mission. We don't do ministry separate from my family. I don't have a mission that this is mine and Brandy's got her thing and the kids do their thing. No, no, no. We have a mission together. We're united. What's your mission? 
Where are you serving together? What are you praying about together? What can you do together for God's glory? Are you just talking about serving in church? Some of it. You need to get on the growth track. You need to get on the dream team. I am talking about that. I don't make any bones about that. The, 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 the local church is the best place for you to live out God's dream for your life. This, the local church is God's plan A, everybody. And there is no other plan B to reach the world who's going to hell. This is it. You're in it. You're in the best idea God had to reach the world. So if you want a mission to reach the world and change the world, this is the best place I know to do it from. There's some other great things you can do. But think broader than just the walls of this church. What's the mission we have outside the church? The church isn't just contained here. Matter of fact, the vision of our church is to empower you to go do what God's called you to do with all of your life, every area of your life. How do we find it? I'm going to tell you. And i got to hurry. They're playing the sad music. There are two things that you can find unity on. Look, write this down. If you want to find unity, if you want to find unity, you, you got it's built on a common enemy and a common mission. N- n- let me say it better this way. What do you both love and what do you both hate? So we love kids and we hate that a ton of kids don't have families. And so Charles and Tabitha Nunley, Tabitha's here today. I watched her check in two foster children. Why? Because we hate, we hate the system and we love kids and we got a mission together. We love being financially free. We love the freedom that it gives us and we hate debt. So, we lead Financial Peace University. Eric and Madeline on the, on the Dream Team, not in this service, but they lead our Financial Peace University small group. And Jose and Nicole lead, lead that small group together. Why? Because we have a common enemy. We see what debt did to our life. And we have a common mission that because we're debt free, we can be radically generous with what God wants us to be generous with. So we have mission together. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? We love blessing marriages. And we hate divorce. So be a marriage mentor. Find some couples who need it. Lead a marriage small group. Just get a mission together. We love cooking. We like making meals together. And we hate people to feel alone. And to feel like they have nobody. And, 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 and we love to take care of people. Since the starting of this church in, in, in an elementary school next door to here. Will and Katrina Ansel have been on this team since the day. They were dream teamers before y'all knew who this church was. And whether you know it or not, but Katrina leaves our pastoral care team. And this week I saw emails flood out to dozens and dozens of women who get into action to a new mom who just had their third baby and the husband's got to go back to work. And what do we do? And we jumped into action. Why? Because I love their marriage and I love their, we, we love to cook and we love to take care of people and we hate for people to feel alone. So we did something about it and we have a mission together. Welcome to people, to, to church, uh, our, our welcome to church parties. Kevin Clarina, who helps lead another team in our church. But I told him, hey, we had about 60 people who were brand new to our church and we couldn't meet them all. We wanted to have one big night and meet them all. He brought his own barbecue pit and did his own thing and smoked an amazing, I'm telling you, it was, it was Texas finest. And he doesn't do it for a living, but it was, why? It's not because he had the time. It's because he had a mission. It's not because it was easy. 
It's because we got a mission. Don't, don't just share an address. Come on, married couples, look at me. Don't just share an address. Don't just share a sex life. Don't just love the same sports team. Don't just design your vacations together. Share a mission. Be mission-driven. Have something. Don't be driven by your problems. Be driven by God's purpose. I don't want people to know me. I want people to know God. If nobody ever knows Mitch and Brandy, but thousands of people in the hill country around San Antonio and Austin know God, then our mission's complete. I, d- don't find fault with everything wrong. Find, help people find freedom. Don't find fault with what's wrong with everybody in church and this church and that church and this problem and that problem and these people and those people. Don't, anybody can find fault. Help people find freedom from their past. Have a mission. Don't, don't try to discover a platform. Don't try to discover how you can grow you and grow your influence. And discover your purpose. The purpose that God has for you. The plan that God has in your life. Married couples, don't get up tomorrow just trying to make a dollar. Get up tomorrow trying to make a difference. How can I make a difference? Why are you going to get married? Because we got something to do together. Why do y'all want to get married? Um, Because we've got a mission together. Because we can accomplish more together than we can apart. City Hills, i got to tell you, let let me pause on the marriage talk for 10 seconds and look at you and tell you, don't let anything divide us. We have a mission together. There's a world to reach. There's people who need to know God and find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference. Don't let what God united be divided by anything. Not double vision, not division. No, no, no. We got one mission, one vision together. And you need that in your marriage. Say amen to that.